There is a risk of loss in futures and options trading. We discuss profitability as it pertains to the business as a whole and not the hedging account specifically. The information contained in this publication is taken from sources believed to be reliable but is not guaranteed by FPC nor any other affiliates, subsidiary, or employee collectively referred to as FPC and is intended for the purpose of information and education only. Nothing therein should be considered as a trading recommendation by FPC. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome to the Future Profits Podcast, hosted by Future Profits Consulting, where we help you understand future profit potential and how to capitalize. I'm Trevor Smith, joined as always by Adam Hooker on this fine Wednesday afternoon, October 12th, coming to you from our glorious podcast studio in, in Williamsburg, Iowa. So, Adam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Good introduction. It's beautiful outside. It's a great time of year. We love the fall. Uh, harvest time is underway. Football season's underway. Well underway. We got a lot of good stuff happening, and we got a lot of volatility in the marketplace too. So we've, we've got a few things to talk about and, and update the folks on. Yeah, really. Um, just wanted to kind of do a harvest uh, harvest market update. You know, there's been like you said some volatility, some crazy swings. We know guys are are out and about. You know, getting this crop in, um, and so just want to provide some content for people to listen to, and you know, just get their brain spinning a little bit. So um, I guess, Adam, with that, where we sit here in, in Iowa County, kind of maybe give people an update on, on harvest activity and, and what we've got going on. Yeah, I'd say it looked like a couple of weeks ago we were going to run pretty hard everywhere, and it, it slowed up some. Corn's a little wetter than maybe most expected, but there's been fantastic basis if you've been willing to dry corn down that you could go get. Looks like some guys went after that. And in the last week or 10 days, it, it's been primarily soybeans coming out of the field. I think everybody's, I'm not going to say pleased with their yields, but they're probably better than what they expected given the amount of rain that we've had. That seems to be universal across our client base too, whether that's southern Minnesota, uh, western Iowa, northeast Iowa, southeast Iowa. Everybody's a little bit better than they expected. Some people are going to have records. Others are just going to have a nice solid crop. So all in all, I think so far it's going good. As we're talking, everybody seems to think that the best crop is yet to come. It's still out there. So they're better corn, they're better beans, or the later stuff in the field that held on a little longer than maybe some of the earlier stuff did. For sure. Yeah, and and, and we did have a, uh, I don't know if you saw a, a rain total, but, you know, we finally had a decent shower roll through our area. And I think, you know, south of us had gotten a decent amount. So got a little moisture uh, put back in, which at this point, we're not going to complain about any moisture. So it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah, it rained. So I think we consider it a big shower. It hasn't really done <laughs> yeah, much no anything doubt. but missed in a long time. So we'll, we'll welcome any moisture that we, that we can get. Yeah. So like I said, I'm just kind of going to give a uh, you know harvest market update, look at, at what we've got going on in, in the four commodities that we really pay attention to here. Um, just just kind of talk about some current events going around, and then at the end, you know, maybe talk about you know why we why we're doing what we're doing and, and positionally in the way we are. So with that, I guess the big one that you know big in our office you know uh, we got a, a big focus on hogs and then you know that's been a pretty volatile market here since i guess we we came to you on august 30th was our last podcast so um, that's the last time we talked to you guys about markets um, but you know since then you know we've had a a pretty pretty dramatic sell off in in the hog market you know the winter hogs we were down you know 6 bucks from that time that that we talked we're down 9 dollars from you know the high that we eventually got to 
um, their middle, late September. June, you know, not quite as dramatic, down $5 from our podcast, but I guess we are still down, you know, $9 from the September high out in, in June of 23 hogs. So some pretty significant drops um, in that hog market. Um, just what is, how many days in a row was that we had, you know, a consistent sell off there? Um, we, we've bounced back a little bit. It was know, a good, then. it was 11 days, however many trading sessions that was in there. It was, it was pretty rough. And we're down those values that you stated, but these markets are also up five or six dollars off of their lows from just a week ago. So we've, you know, we've taken a whole lot of value away and we've put some value back on and we're, we're still down quite a bit from where we were, uh, you know, end of September or maybe mid-September timeframe and certainly from that mid to late August timeframe when we had some really nice values present themselves out there. So with that, Adam, a couple things, you know, that, that we've been looking at, would you just and I, I think we talked, you know, it's hard to point at one specific thing that's led to this, but what are a couple of things that, that you've seen that have led to this going on? Well, the first thing I would say is that I don't think we were surprised that our market sold off some into this time of year. That's that's pretty common to see the cash weakness show up, see the cutout values start to come down from their summer highs. That part we were expecting. Maybe the the magnitude of the drop and how fast that it happened was was more of a surprise than anything, but does it correlate directly to any one thing that we can point to and say this is the source of the problem? I don't think so. I think it's just a combination of time of year. Um, certainly a very strong U.S. dollar has probably had some impact on on what's going on here. We, we definitely think it's impacted our, our exports this year because hog exports year over year are down pretty substantially. But, you know, that September 20th time frame, I think that was about maybe around when they adjusted interest rates and in the market maybe anticipating – more weakness in, in meat than what's actually showing up. And that's why we've rallied back in the last four or five sessions here is we're holding together okay. We've got a cutout, pork cutout price up at 103. We've got cash hogs up around 90. And for October 12th, not bad. Not bad at all. So, um, but definitely down notably from the opportunities that hung around for quite some time. October over $90 or excuse me, upper 90s. December over $80 and up in the upper 80s for a while. All of those opportunities hung around for, for quite a bit. And now it looks like there are ways away. It looks like it's going to really take something to get eight more dollars on this market, especially after we rallied six from our low here a week ago. Yeah, no doubt. One thing that, you know, I, I you brought up, you know, the interest rate deal there, um, the 20th of September. But I think, you know, those macroeconomic issues that are out there, um, we always talk about the supply side, I think. Uh, we, you know, we've got a pretty pretty good, I don't want to say a good handle. We've got a couple reports that come out that give us an idea uh, from a supply side moving forward. But Yeah, I think as good as any commodity. The, yeah, the pork yep, side yep. does. Yep. The the uncertainty in demand, you know, is, is something that we talk about that's, that's hard to measure. Um, and so I was just, you know, looking. I think, you know, those macroeconomic issues that are out there, you know, concerns about recession, what kind of impact is that going to have on, on meat demand is, is one thing that comes up. You know, I've got that down for both the, the hog and cattle recap here is, is that, you know, macroeconomic, even just the stock market, right? I mean, from, from August 30th, you know, when we did our, our last podcast today, I think we're down, you know, a little over 8% on, on the Dow. Um, and so, and that's, that's all of them, you know, that, that whole stock market and the uncertainty that's out there is going to, to have an impact on the futures market believes that's going to have an impact on, um, demand of meat. And so, you know, I think that's a little something that's, that's out there that, that could be going on. Yeah. So since that last market update, we've probably had maybe two updates on inflation and what's going on and it isn't really letting up. 
And the longer that goes on, I think the more the fear builds in the marketplace. And, and commodities are no different than equities. Inflation is a bad thing. And markets' jobs are trying to forecast where they think prices are going to be. And and right now, if you're looking at what the market's trying to forecast, is that high inflation, possible recession, or maybe it's a certain recession, I don't know. But if that's the case, lower prices of meat, probably based on lower demand. But that isn't what is materializing just yet. Like we said, the cutout being high, we've got great values here. So all in all, I, I feel like the meat sector is held together pretty well considering everything else that's gone on. Yeah, um, with that, I was kind of going to slide over to cattle there, and, and you kind of brought it up. You know, cattle were down, you know, $3 um, in December, I guess, from our September high. You know, the, the deferreds, April, June, down, you know, closer to $4 from our September high. So we've seen, you know, a little bit of that similar drop on the cattle side, maybe not quite as extreme on the hog side, but, um, you know, their, their demand is, is slipping a little bit, you know, from their, their box beef side, but it's, it's still hanging in there. I mean, it, it is our, it's our second highest and, and that's only to last year, uh, from a box beef side. So, um, you know, demand of, of meat is, is continuing to hang in there on, on both sides. Um, so that is, that's a good thing. Um, that's one thing, you know, like we talk about, you know, I think that uncertainty in, in that demand moving forward for, for both, you know, hogs and cattle is, is what's out there. Absolutely. And, Domestic demand has to be fantastic for pork, and, it, and it's got to be pretty solid for beef, too. Otherwise, we wouldn't be supporting the high prices we have because our exports, we know, are down. So all in all, you know, you look back, and, and the, the crazy thing about markets, and we talk about this all the time, is you, you have the ability to look back at where the price was, and then you make a judgment about where it's at today and that kind of job that you did in managing the risk in that price. And the one thing that I, I think that's important to highlight when we do see this volatility is – it's not like we had high prices for just one day in any of these commodities. They hang or they've hung around very high levels for several days in a row and being prepared to do something about it. I think it's critical because we don't know what changes. We get the question all the time, Trevor, well, what's, you know, what happened? Why, why is the market moving? There's not any single thing we can really point to. And so this is what markets do. This is what, this is how things change. And this is why it's difficult and it's also why you want to be proactive because you just don't know. I mean, we came in Monday of this week and Ukraine bombed the, the bridge between Crimea and Russia. That's putting fear back into our grain markets. They're still at war. Nothing's really changed. It's war. It's uncertainty. But again, it's just another spark, one of those things that the market can grab onto and, and price in uncertainty, volatility, and, and all of those things create opportunity. But you got to do something about it. For sure. Um, as we move to, you know, on the grain side from when we last talked, you know, we're we're up, uh, I'm going to call it 15-ish cents on corn um, on the, on this year's crop. Um, from when we last talked, we're up, you know, 25 cents from our September low on corn. We've, we've rallied back, you know, really nicely. Earlier this week, we had a, a pretty strong update there. Uh, beans were actually down, you know, significantly. Um, from our our last podcast there, and I think that was that was due to that report that came, that was the the September was in there drove that down, and then right there at the end of September, another pretty volatile day that bled a lot out of beans. Now we've recovered nicely to a degree, but I mean that's still a significant number that we're that we're down from our highs. Yeah, I think the the September twelfth WASD is when they took acres away from beans and reduced yield, and we went we went higher. From that day, we okay. basically have okay. traded all the way back down to pre that report levels, which was a dollar ten kind yep, of a range. Yep. And so beans are they're definitely 
I, I think they're range bound, but the range in beans anymore is like $2 wide. It's pretty crazy. We're from $13.40 up to, you know, $15. It's really, really wide. Corn, same kind of thing. We're, you know, we're in that 40 cent range, six sixty to $7. We're kind of ping-ponging around in there. And generally this time of year, we would see some pressure come to this market as the supply becomes very abundant uh, with harvest happening. We, we would expect to see a little bit of price pressure. And it, it feels like we get it at times and then something changes and uh, we're right back up there. So I don't know that anything's materially changed enough to really break this market out one way or the other outside of, uh, and maybe it's on here for an issue later, but you know, the Mississippi river issue is definitely a developing story that we're not really accustomed to having logistical issues on moving our exports out, but it it looks like we're going to have some on the crop side this year. Yeah, I I was actually going to go there next. So um, I guess with that going on, maybe give a a quick recap of, of, you know, just a really quick one in, in case people don't know. And then, you know, what could, and I don't want to ask you to predict what's I going to do, but you know, kind of the potential, swings of of that and what kind of impact it could have locally yeah again it's one of those things that nobody sees this coming you know we you just don't know that the river's going to get so low that barges are getting hung up downstream and i don't know if it's if that is the result we've got skyrocketing cost of getting it down there too so the, the cost to push it downstream have gone up and that could be because they have to load lighter they have to push less barges down therefore that cost per unit increases but the cost to get it uh the freight cost is significantly higher right now on top of it, you got logistical issues of actually making it float down the river so a couple of things that man i don't know how you, i don't know how you can predict this stuff but this is what happens and this is why you know you, you try to be prepared but if we can't get rid of some of our grains via the the mississippi river that should start filling terminals up right we should start having storage issues to where we're full if i'm a terminal and i can't get the amount of barges or, or at least load the quantities and the and the amount of barges that I want to float them downstream, that means I can't buy from somebody that wants to sell. Well, when that starts to happen, what we're doing is we're backing up the supply. We're backing it up out in the countryside. We're backing it up at the elevator. We're backing it up on the farm. We're backing it up somewhere. And ultimately, that's an indicator for poor basis coming. We don't have anywhere to go with it. And we're coming out of a year where we've seen extremely strong basis on corn. Still very strong for the time of year. There's places that Obviously, harvest isn't in full swing, and they're still aggressively trying to pursue corn with a strong basis. But the bean basis in two weeks has gone from negative one to negative 90 in two weeks' time, and that's at a terminal on the river. That's incredible. That could start to cascade its way out into the into the countryside, and this is a year where supply, according to the USDA, is supposed to be tighter. All right, It might not feel like it if if we can't get that stuff exported. So there's there's a potential that we could see not a great basis year as a result of this. And then if we can't export, that's going to increase our supply, the carryout. And the setup where we're going into this thing, a lot of people feel like, well, what's going to make this market go lower? It's not unreasonable to think that we could shed price out of this market and take basis and turn it back to maybe something more historical. And that'd be real disappointing if you didn't have some, you know, some heavy lifting done in here at fantastic prices. Yeah, one thing that I saw, you know, speaking of that that grain getting backed up was I think I was just talking to you today or yesterday. I think it was today, yeah. You know, the the big switch in processors or or users of corn in our area and also, you know, look like a couple different areas I checked today going from hey, you know, really aggressive on corn right now to backing off and, and trying to procure some later on. You know, it was at the point where people were like, hey, dry us your corn and get it to us. We need it now. So now it's like, hey, there's probably going to be plenty of corn. We want to try and secure some, you know, after the new year, come March, come April, come May. And and I think 
seeing that switch like I saw just today is is pretty impactful. Yeah, absolutely. So that front the front end push to keep corn as old crop was getting tight, very very strong basis to now that's that's flipped like you said we're seeing a negative basis up front and we're seeing a stronger basis out in the deferred months so the processors are trying to say we're good on corn right now but we still need you to sell something two three four five six months down the road and and those might be good opportunities if we end up with this backup if that is a, a situation that's prolonged and sitting october 12th or again what's the likelihood that we raise that mississippi level up a bunch here in the fall uh, probably not very good. So it's likely a spring resolve if it comes. And then I don't know what the freezing situation is like at lower river levels. If that's a, a situation, I don't know. <laughs> so it's just, it's crazy. But what, again, what is good is every price we've got for our commodities out here is fantastic. And it, it, they might be, beans might be a dollar forty off of its high, but we're still looking at $14 beans. Corn might be off of its highs, but we're still looking at $7 corn. All right. You might have a slightly negative basis. Those values to your operation are still tremendous amount of profitability. Should be you should be able to secure tremendous profitability. Yeah, and if our grains get backed up, that does you know that it gives the advantage to to the those or whoever with the storage that can store it in, in a time when people are looking for storage in some capacity. Absolutely. And, so, and so if you've got the storage, you go procure it and have that for later while you've got a good basis number. If that ends up being a big deal, which I don't say that it's been a big deal to this point. I mean, you talked about the one bean basis, um, but I, I don't know that we've seen it big time on corn to this point, but but it feels like something that could it could come to fruition. Yeah, it's it's not a terrible corn basis right now, but the amount of movement we've had in that corn basis in a few weeks yeah, has, been, yeah. has been very large. Which is to be expected. Again, it's harvest time. Yep. When, when corn's everywhere, that's typically when we're going to see the weakest basis. And that, again, we're following that, that principle rule right now. No, that sounds good. Anything, you know, I guess from uh, current issues on, on that, that was the main thing on the grain side. We had the WASD out today. Any big changes that you wanted to, to recap there? I don't think so. I mean, ending stock's pretty much in line with what they estimated. Uh, they left a Soybeans unchanged to 200 million metric ton, which is really tight. And soybeans responded. They were stronger today. They they traded shortly after the report much stronger, but finished 15 to 20 higher. Corn, a slight increase to the ending stocks. We're still in the same range. And so you saw corn, you know, right after the report, traded much stronger, then traded weaker, settled unchanged. So we're kind of still in the same range on both these commodities after the report. Didn't look like anything earth-shattering. Reduction in the bean yield, but ultimately no change to the to the ending stocks and i guess that would be contrary to what we're hearing to the people we talk with they're you know bean yields are pretty good all all yields are very good so i I was surprised that they actually reduced the yield today and i was maybe expecting no change but to be weaker hey don't try to outguess the the usda they've proven to be a tough one to (laughs) outguess for sure the uh, the other current issue thing that I just wanted to bring up while while we're sitting here yesterday they they did have the uh, oral arguments I'm flipping back to to pork here oh yeah, yeah. oral arguments on uh, prop twelve and so don't know if you looked in anything coming out of that um, you know it's hard to read into but I guess maybe just speak to if that decision's made where did I see somewhere like decisions not coming for six months I don't. I don't follow the judicial system, but it's like, dang, you'd think you'd want to get a decision sooner than that after the, the arguments. But that's a, that's a whole other conversation. Um, we can't get into <laughs> arguing the judicial system in this podcast, but, but I don't know when they're going to make a ruling on it and what will the impacts be. I, I don't know that either, but it feels like the market's kind of adjusted for 
it being the reality of some production having to go Prop 12. Ultimately, California consumes a lot of pork, and if it becomes a law and they want to get pork from the U.S., somebody's going to have to adjust. And we've seen, I'd say in the last year, a shift in a shift away from maybe resistance to the idea to, okay, how do we make this part of how we operate and, and just continue to try and serve people that want to have pork, but provide whatever attributes they want. So at the end of the day, I don't think it's a good thing if it's a, if the Supreme court, you know, rules in opposition to pork, but I, I don't think it's going to be detrimental either way. Yeah. That's, that's my, and I, I feel like we've kind of, for the most part, priced it in. It's whether it's a law or not, there will be customers that want it. And if there's somebody that wants it, if there's a financial incentive there to go produce it, we'll produce it. That's what the American farmer does is say, give us, give us some margin to do it and we'll, we'll go make it happen. And I'm confident that'll happen. Yeah. The only, the, the thing that I think about is all those people in California that don't want to eat that, that don't care and now have to pay more for their pork. They're the real, you know, losers. And if it stays a law. Yeah, know? I agree. Cause there's, there's a bunch of people that, that can't don't do anything care, about it, but it yeah. certainly you got to think it's going to cost them more to get yep. pork every day of the week, wherever they're shopping, which is unfortunate. Yep. Nope. That's, that's all I was bringing up there on, on current issues. So that kind of rolls through, you know, what I was looking at from a market perspective, current issues did want to just ask you here, you know, we've, we've seen some high volatility in all these markets, I guess, maybe talk about the, the benefits of risk management in a time like, like this. Absolutely. It's been, uh, if you've been a, on a risk management program or if risk management has been a part of your business for any extended period of time, the last year has been tough in challenging that because every sale that you make in a corn market that goes from 550 to 750, the market's higher the next day, higher the next day, higher the next day. And so you start to feel like, why in the heck am I doing this? Why don't I just wait to sell? But the reality is things change. If you're consistently have that approach of I'm managing profitability. I'm not trying to manage a market price and hit a market high. I'm managing profitability for my business. You make good decisions. And as I'm going to speak to pork because it's, it's sold off the most relative to the other markets we've talked about. When you sell a market off $13, $14, that's a 25 to you know $30 per head drop in revenue. That's a lot. We don't have that kind of profit margin there to give up. By virtue of utilizing risk management, you know, with for our clients, we were selling into these higher markets. Were we hitting the highs? No, but we were having some fantastic prices. So when the market does fall for known reasons or unknown reasons, and I'm going to say what happened in the last few weeks, there's nothing we can really point to that's been a problem. It just fell. Now, the, the fall, like we said, was expected. It's, it's kind of seasonal, but the magnitude of the fall doesn't seem justified. Well, we're not really sweating it anywhere. We've got a high amount of coverage. You know, we've got a decent amount of flexibility within that coverage. So if the market stays here, we're okay. If it comes back up, fantastic. We got more hot. We're going to be in the pig business a long time. We're going to be in the corn business a long time. So when the market recovers to high prices, we're prepared to sell more. But I think anybody that's been doing some selling and, and has watched the sell-off, it's a reminder that, okay, it's not as easy as just going and raising a crop or raising hogs and you sell them when they're ready. Driving some good decision-making based on what's good for your business and, and sticking to that plan ultimately end day we think puts you in a better spot. I, I know it does. And, and so it's just kind of reconfirmed. Why do you do it? Anybody that has been selling corn in the last year has been disappointing. Hogs for a long period of time was disappointing because it just kept going up. But boy, those are fantastic sales. You're making a lot of money. The potential to make money is for a longer period of time now. So we want to ride that wave. Yeah. And I, I also think about, you know, something that you say is, 
it, it allows, you know, if, if you've got a risk management plan in, in place, you know, you're not, not spending brain power um, worrying about the markets and you're not energy, you know, brain power and energy, I think is a big one, you know, energy not spent, you know, wasted on, on worrying about something that, Hey, you've got a plan for, and you've got something in place. So that way, when, when this is going on, your energy's not focused on the negative, you're still able to be focused on, on making production better and doing the things that you got to do in the day to day and doing them well so that your operation can continue to, to thrive. So I, I think that's one side of it. That, that. That's a great point. And, and what a time of year to not have that concern when we yep. have all of the harvest activity that has to go on a ton of coordination, a ton of work that happens in the fall. And if we're not, you know, are getting our guts torn apart by, by the market falling apart. Fantastic. We can go focus on those other things and, and make them better. For sure. Last, you know, we, we are heading here. We're middle of middle of October, you know, coming up on the end of the year and, and the start of the next year. I'll let you, you know, talk about some of the benefits of, I guess, having a plan as you head into the end of the year and then, you know, a plan for, for next year and, and some of the ways that we can go about helping with that. Yeah, with budgeting. It, we're, we're fourth quarter now, so it, it's time to start thinking about what does 2023 look like? What are the opportunities out there? We're getting the crop off from last year. There's input prices that we can go secure. At least, you know, they're probably being quoted out there. And, and let's look and see. It's, it's not too early to evaluate what do I think my cost is going to look like next year and what are the opportunities with the market right now. We're looking at December corn today at 632. That's probably got a bunch of tremendous opportunity there if we're evaluating it. And it's something we should be doing because generally high prices don't hang around for for as long as they do. And it feels like this year's kind of been extended because we've got a war in the world that nobody saw coming. It's taken some supply away that's that's allowed prices to maintain a higher level for a longer period of time. Well, get the pencil out, do some budgeting, start to estimate. You might not be able to fully dial in what your cost of production is, but I bet you can get really close. And now we can evaluate what is next year's corn price giving us for an opportunity. What about beans? How do, what's the hog situation look like? Now we're proactive again. Being in the driver's seat, being informed, supports making good decisions. And, that, and that's what you want to do. The revenue, you know, we don't know what changes prices or when they're going to change. But today you can secure really high for a long period of time. I, I probably sound like a broken record. I keep saying that. But that's what we do. That's what we know works. The, the gambling man, the riverboat gambler, eventually you know, misses the boat and you, you don't want to miss the boat on here. You want to ride that wave and drop anchor out there as far as you can, because it, the tide does, it does go out. Yeah. Yeah. What I was looking at was, you know, if, if you've got a budget in place and, and we can help out with that, you know, you can look at, Hey, what's, what's the balance of my year going to look like? And, and I think one thing that comes up quite a bit is, you know, deferred income, start kind of being proactive on, on tax planning before December 15th and going, oh, I got 15 days. You know, if you've got an idea of, of what you're going to have from a revenue standpoint, the balance, you know, the balance of this year, you can start making those game plans two days before 31st of December. So, you know, just like you said, budgeting for next year, but I was also talking, you know, budget remainder of this no, year. That's yeah. a good point. Now that uh, most people are dipping out in their fields, they kind of get an idea of probably where their yield is going to be. If you've got some forward prices on, you know what that's going to be. You can start looking at what the, what is the price today? How many more bushels do I got? And start thinking and planning because absolutely nothing's more aggravating than you're trying to do all your tax planning in the last two weeks of the year because Number one, your accountant's busy too. And, you know, number two, it's hard to find equipment right now. So where are you going to go, you know, those the old uh, run-of-the-equipment dealer and trade in something and buy something new might be harder to do than ever before. So the tools are going to be prepay, you know, equipment upgrades, defer income. 
and try and manage your taxes the best you can there. For sure. Oh, good. While we we're wrapping up here, getting close to the end, um, wanted to, you know, we got guys out working, looking for podcasts to listen to. I didn't know if you had had a favorite of, you know, past one that we've done that is probably still relevant today, might be still relevant, you know, today, even though it's an older episode, it's one that could apply that that guy should go check out. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorites would probably have been the Tim Smith and the Hills when we we're talking about lending, you know, yep. former Hills Bank lender. Just tremendous perspective with a lot of years of experience. I thought that was a really good episode. Tim did a nice job there. Um, something that we, we don't think about or talk about much anymore, but we did one with African swine fever for the, yep. the pork people. Yep. That risk is not gone and continue to stay in tune with, with that whole picture there. I think those two are, are pretty good. I feel like some of our introductory ones where we talk oh, about yep. the basic principles behind risk management are good. If you haven't adopted the philosophy yet that you, that you should do it, go listen to that because there's no better time to start than when you got fantastic margins. Yep. So that's kind of where we're set today. Those would be the, what about you? Yeah. The only other, the one that I was thinking about, you know, is the Fed continues to fight inflation. I think that interest rate podcast, you know, some of the tools that are out there to, to help hedge your, your interest rate risk. I thought that one was, was good and, and might continue to be relevant here for, for another year or so, depending on, on what the Fed's got to get done. So sounds like they want to be aggressive. So there's, you know, there's a risk out there that that could be higher. So is there, they're a way to manage that as well for your operations. So yeah, that's one I was thinking about. That's a good one too. Yeah, that's a good one as well. And we've seen since we did that episode, I think interest rates have gone at least twice. since. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even a third time. I can't remember when we did it, but that was a nice job there. It's pretty intense. It's a different uh, vocabulary and a different, different approach than the commodity markets we're used to, but nonetheless, very good as well. Well, that's all, all we've got for today. I guess if anybody listening, you got any ideas you want us to, to kick out here for podcast topics, let us know. We're always looking for, for good content. Wanted to make sure that it's stuff that, that you guys are looking forward to hearing. And we do have some, some tools available on our website that uh, can help producers evaluate their cost of production. We've got some row crop tools um, for organizing your acres and estimating cost of production. Same thing on the on the hog and cattle margin calculators there. So some things that we've already got that are available to help people make better decisions. For sure. As always, get in touch with us. Look forward to hearing from you. And until next time. All right. Thanks, Trevor. There is a risk of loss in futures and options trading. We discuss profitability as it pertains to the business as a whole and not the hedging account specifically. The information contained in this publication is taken from sources believed to be reliable but is not guaranteed by FPC nor any other affiliates, subsidiary, or employee collectively referred to as FPC and is intended for the purpose of information and education only. Nothing therein should be considered as a trading recommendation by FPC. Past performance is not indicative of future results.